launching, yes, our, our vision, A Decade on Purpose, which is uh, also working together with our church at Hepburn Heights and then our five locations all, all kind of streamlining together with this same vision and heartbeat. And tonight I'm going to share our flavor, our, what, what is kind of important for us at, at C3 North Perth and what this looks like going forward for the next 10 years. Yes, 10 years. Uh, where are you going to be in 10 years, guys? Think about how old. I, I'm just thinking about how old my kids are going to be. It's kind of crazy to think. Um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, and 10 years is a long time. This next decade. We're in the 20s, 2020, and let's see what 2020s are all going to be about. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's really good. But here we are in February. If we're, we're thinking about this year, 2020, uh, we're in February and things are starting to, you know, really click into gear. Uh, uni's about to start back up again. We're going to be, uh, the kids are back at school. Things are kind of just clicking in. We're just kind of getting started and it's already February. Uh, and whatever dreams and goals we have set for January, either they're non-existent or they are humming along really nicely maybe. Or maybe they're just like feeling really difficult Yet again, for another year, these dreams and goals I've always set, I never really quite get them done. Uh, but what we don't need is yet another vision, right? Another one, another vision. Here we are. Someone, again, telling me what to do with my life. Uh, another kind of spiel to, to sell me something, some glitzy little vision. Why do we need something, an another one, hey? Why? Well, that's what we're here for. <laughs> uh, don't we remember that really important poster pin-up scripture of Proverbs 29 of where there is no vision, the people perish? We need it. We need a vision or we're going to perish, right? We're going to perish, as the Bible says. Um, the issue is uh, we're pretty bombarded with vision in our culture. There's, there's so, much of it, so much of it around us. I don't think our culture actually lacks vision I think that actually we actually have too much vision going on. There's so much trying to sell us, whether it's following a new diet, taking a course, um, or buying that product, all with a beautiful sign-up fee and monthly repayments. We've all got these visions that are selling at us, being sold to us, going, come on, just follow this, and then your life will be changed dramatically if you do this thing. Uh, and then we have, on top of all that, we've got Facebook listening to our, all our conversations, selling us specific things on Instagram. I swear I didn't search that. I just talked about it with a friend. We've all experienced that before. These things that are going on in our lives, too, too, many, too many visions all around us. It's all too much. I uh, see the issue with our culture is not that we don't have vision, but it, it, there's too many visions. Uh, we can second guess people. Uh, we're just always weary. What are they trying to sell me? We're always kind of trying to see the, you know, the flaws in what they're trying to say. Uh, and the thing is, with too many visions can paralyze us from changing. Too many visions can paralyze us from actually doing something. Or what, what should I do? Because there's so much that I, I, I should be doing, apparently. I'm meant to be doing intermittent fasting as well as you know, doing this new course, as well as doing this and that. And I'm meant to be reading the Bible through the whole year. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> it can seem a bit overwhelming sometimes. And that's where our culture is at. It can seem pretty overwhelming what to do with all this vision. And uh, before we know it, we actually don't do anything. 
because we're paralyzed by the sense that we've got too much going on so that we don't change. Uh, though at the same time, we want to feel like we're a part of something special. We want to feel like we're actually doing something that makes a difference. It's like uh, that, the, this great famous quote from Steve Jobs uh, to St John Scully, who was the CEO of Pepsi at the time. Uh, he says to John, uh, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to come with me and change the world? Who wouldn't want to do that? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Wanting to change the world. I don't want to sell sugar water for the rest of my life because uh, that's what I've been doing. I want to change the world. I want to be a part of something that actually makes a difference. And that's in all of us. We actually want to do something that means something, that actually has an impact on people. We want to be a part of actually helping others. And we want to be a part of this amazing vision that is going to make a difference in this world. And so what is it? Where are we placed? We're, this, we're, the, we've, we're in this predicament of so much going on. We can feel overwhelmed, but then we want to make a difference. We want to actually see change in this world. And this proverb in uh, Proverbs 29, uh, that was the King James ver version of uh, where there is no vision, people perish. But in the NIV version, it says this, it says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Now, I guarantee you, you've never seen a poster with that verse in the NIV before. It's not very fancy. It doesn't sound exciting. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. It doesn't necessarily kind of, oh, yeah, cool, let's do this. Let's go for it. But this is so important to see and recognize what the words here are saying in Proverbs 29.11. See, this word that is referenced in the King James of vision, this word is the word hazon which is, I've got the Hebrew up. I did tell you that I was going to bring you some Hebrew. <laughs> the hazon is what this word is. And this means revelation as the NIV puts it. There is, it, it means the very uh, prophetic revelation that when someone, a prophet of the Old Testament, he would hear from God, hear a message to speak to the people, a message of direction, a message leading the people and where God is calling us. And that was the revelation. That was prophetic insight from God that the prophets would have to speak over the people. And this is the vision, this is the prophecy, the revelation that is being talked about. Without hazon, without this sense of revelation, the people perish. The people are cast off. They cast off restraint. And so this is about hearing God's voice. This is about hearing what he is speaking to us. And in this overwhelming, complex, where, where am I meant to turn? What is this looking like? Too many visions kind of culture. We need to hear the voice of God so clearly. This needs to be paramount, an important part of our lives. To take time to hear the voice of God, the revelation that he wants to give to us. See, God wants to give us spiritual sights. He wants us to see clearly spiritually, not just kind of physically, but spiritually to discern where he is leading us and where he is calling us to give us this spiritual sight. That we would have spiritual sight when in darkness we have a light to help us. When they're in, we're surrounded by a, a culture of darkness, there is light that will uh, help us and, and lead us. That we would have a guide 
when we are lost, when we, ha- when we feel overwhelmed, we have a guide. This is what spiritual sight looks like. It looks like that light. It looks like a guide when we are lost. And it's like going on a holiday. When you, when you get ready for a holiday, you plan it all out. You map it all out. You, you kind of do a whole lot of research and re- you look at reviews. You're constantly looking at what's the best place. Where should I go? What are kind of the cool places to go to? Well, that's kind of what I think. Like, where, where you know, what are these kind of places that I'd like, if I'm going to go to this place, I'm gonna, I want to really experience it. Uh, and so you, you, the, the, the issue is when you're on Google, you look at one review, it's saying this, but then you look at another and it's saying the opposite. There's just, what, what do I listen to? How do I know where to go on holiday? This is the real thing, right? <laughs> okay, guys, this is real life. Uh, and so we're trying to figure it out and then you eventually get there and you're like, you realize all the research didn't actually, you know, that's not the best places. When you get there, you're like you. When you actually talk to the locals, you figure out that they tell you the the real places to go. They like help you and guide you through that process. And so recently, we went on a trip to Portland. Um, uh, there was a few of us, and we went for a friend's wedding. And uh, prior to this trip, I did zero research on where to go because I knew I was going to a place that I had a friend. My friend was there, and I didn't need to worry. I mean, we were there for obviously for a wedding, and there was stuff that we had to do, so it wasn't heaps of time. But I knew that wherever we went, like my friends would tell us where to go. He he knew all the good places. He knew where to go. It was all all cool, all sorted. And so we got there, and we had this person. We had a guide help us take us through all the, we saw some amazing things we went up to the mount hood and experienced the snow we stayed in this beautiful cabin in the middle of a forest in which we lit off fireworks it was pretty amazing um and uh yeah we had a guide take us through this place and this is what it means to have that spiritual sight that we would have inside knowledge that we would have that inside word to, to, to help us guide us through the challenges that we can face in life when, when we seem confused and unknown of where to go we have a guide that will help us and direct us and give us that insight and that's what it means to have that spiritual sight to have that revelation to have god continually guiding and helping us now now get me let me get this straight this is not like some audible voice now you should turn left here there's not none of that it's not a, a sat nav telling you where to go this is just god's small voice that as we spend time and as we make time to hear him he just guides us he nudges us in the direction that he calls us to go he, he, he helps us when we're, you know, struggling in a certain attitude. He, he corrects that. He changes that and shifts us and, and causes us to go in the way that he wants us to go, not what we want to go in. It's a beautiful thing. So this is what our culture longs for, to recognize and see how to live our, our peak performance at the fullness of who we are. And uh, we as a church have a purpose statement it is to that jesus gives life to the full and we're called to live it and share it see our culture is chasing after our own human attempt of fullness we're chasing after what that fullness could look like and mean for us we're we're wanting to be the best version of ourselves and our culture is chasing that 
See, Charles Taylor, uh, who was a, a philosopher, or is a philosopher, uh, he wrote a book called uh, A Secular Age, which is a really well-known uh, book uh, kind of outlining secularism and individualism. And he describes fullness as a state of peace, security, and relational harmony. It's this place that we find truly ourselves in that peace, the security and relational harmony where everything is coming together. That is that state of kind of that, that, that's what he describes as secularist fullness. He also goes on to say, uh, for believers, for Christians, the place of fullness is God. It's just as simple as that. But for unbelievers, it is within the power of reason, which is enlightenment or nature, or our inner depths, which is romanticism. Also, postmodernism wants to stand outside of reason and sentiment on the idea that fullness is a projection that cannot be found. It sounds pretty confusing. See, for us as believers, the place of fullness is God, but for, for uh, secularism, it is, can be a mis- mishmash of all these different things, of maybe it's my reason, maybe it's my desires of romanticism, maybe it's none of these things and I can never achieve fullness. It's, it's quite difficult. Our, our culture is chasing after this idea of wanting to be full, but it's just in this search, never-ending search of trying to figure what, our, what that looks like. But in, in Jesus Christ, we truly find that fullness. He is the fullness of our lives. There is just a simplicity of what it means to be a Christian of just our fullness is found in God because he truly completes who we are. And we don't have to go on this crazy, confusing search for fullness to try and figure it all out, but he is the center of our lives. See, God wants us to see beyond the darkness of unbelief wants to see us to see in those difficult times and difficult paths that we will take and see with his revelation have spiritual sight to see as he calls us to see now this other word in in proverbs 29 um, is the term cast off restraint where there is no revelation the people cast off restraint and that is the word patter which um, in the Hebrew, it kind of is defined as engaging in destructive behavior, thought, and action. It's those who are engaging in the destructive behavior. So essentially, without hazan, without revelation, the people go feral. They go feral. They go nuts and just do whatever they want. The world is a dark place because we lack that revelation. We lack that revelation and insight in knowing where we should go. People can do whatever they, de- they desire because they lack the revelation. The world is longing to have this, to have this in order to see in the darkness and find the light of the fullness. And so when we understand this, we see Jesus' ministry is so much about uh, bringing physical sight. He often is healing those who are blind, but also it's so much about bringing spiritual sight. Jesus' ministry is this so much about him bringing spiritual sight to those who are spiritually blind and those who are willing to hear his voice. And um, we're going to read a bit of, around John 9. And this, this passage uh, is, 
is before this uh, statement that Jesus goes on to say, and he says that Jesus, I, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. This statement in, in John 10. And, and before he says these words, there's this amazing story that we're going to uh, look at about how Jesus heals a blind man. Uh, and so we're going to read. We're going to turn to the Bible, Bible and go to John 9 from verse 1. It'll be on the screen, which probably already is. Look at that. So read along uh, with me. It said, as he walked along, he's, Jesus, this is, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, that was the common, the, the common thought of that day. The common ideal is if this person had been born with a physical deformity, then someone sinned. Along the line, someone did something wrong, and that's why they were born in that way. And so Jesus kind of sees this cultural ideal, and this is so much of how Jesus kind of comes into the cultural norms. And and he answered them saying, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes. This is delicious. Saying to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. Incredible story and so much in this story that is going on. Basically, this story happens, and Jesus heals this man by spitting in mud, putting in his eyes, and sending him to the pool of Siloam, which means scent, and he is healed from an illness he had at birth. This is intense. This is an amazing moment. This man that was born blind can now see. It's incredible. And he goes on to uh, just share how incredible uh, Jesus saved him and and gave him this sight. Uh, And the Pharisees, they actually get upset. They get angry. Because what had happened, happened on the Sabbath. Uh-oh, you should not be doing this on the Sabbath for the Pharisees. The religious rule, rulers of that day, this Sabbath was holy. It meant you shouldn't be working. It was, it was a time uh, dedicated to resting and, and not doing any work and, and not doing anything because God rested on the seventh day. It was this, this whole ritual that had happened and took place in the Jewish world. But Jesus, he, he, you see it uh, so often in that scripture, he references work quite a bit in, in a weird kind of a, amount of ways. He actually talks about work quite a bit in how he heals this man. And he, here, Jesus is showing and representing the very power of God at work on the day that you shouldn't be working. He's, he's trying to show these Pharisees in the world that even though this is a day sacred, and set apart from working, this work, this work that brings life, this work that brings fullness, this work that actually brings healing to people, this is the work that we are called to bring time and time again. This is the kind of work that he is calling us to bring to this world, the kind of work that we are called to bring this healing power at work in people's lives. And so they get angry and upset. Uh, and uh, also throughout this, this passage, Jesus also reference, references the creation. He says, I am the light of the world. 
Again, speaking of those first moments in creation where God spoke and there was light, he is again recreating life in this person. Then he also spits in the mud, taking the, from the, also what was in the dust that formed humanity and again puts it on this man's eyes so that he can uh, see. Again, seeing the power at work at recreating life. Jesus is moving in this man's life in a new way in new creation, to see that this is the kind of work that we are called to bring, a healing and a a fullness that hasn't been seen before. Uh, And, yeah, it's just amazing what he does. And though he does this, the Pharisees get angry. They get upset. Uh, They interview uh, the, the person twice, they interview his parents, like, who, why is this man healed? This is just not right. And um, they can't understand how uh, this man would have been healed on the Sabbath. Uh, and I love these simple words of the blind man. He, he responds to the Pharisees in, in verse 25. He says, he answered, I do, I do not know whether here is a sinner. But see, the Pharisees were accusing Jesus of being a sinner. And the blind guy's like, I don't know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I can see. Just this, this beautiful, look, you guys are just kind of squabbling, just talking about all this stuff, but I'm going to tell you, I, now I can see. It's just a simple, beautiful faith of this blind guy that this guy brought me sight. Uh, and eventually they, they kick him out of the synagogue and kick him out of kind of worshipping. And um, we find uh, Jesus have uh, found this guy in verse 35. He, um, Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he had uh, found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered. And who is he, sir? See, the Son of Man is that t- a term that Jesus referred to him a lot, uh, referencing him as God, him as the Saviour. Uh, and the blind guy answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. This amazing passage that Jesus is identifying this spiritual blindness that is in the people. That we get so stuck in our ways, so confused by the wish-wash of our culture of everything going on, so confused with what way God is truly calling us that we can become spiritually blind because we don't find ourselves with God. We just find ourselves in just trying to figure it out ourselves. We find ourselves just trying to work out, yeah, this is kind of the way that we've always done it in our culture. You shouldn't mess with that. We, we, we find ourselves in our way of doing things and not in a place of hearing his voice, hearing where God is speaking. And that's where he, Jesus wants to come and bring revelation. Jesus wants to come and bring spiritual sight to our world, to bring clarity in the blur and confusion 
of this world and to help direct us and guide us. He then goes on to uh, say Jesus continues in John 10, an amazing uh, series of messages of, of how he is the gaze and how he is the great shepherd. And uh, we pick, here, pick it up here in John 10, verse 7. Uh, and he says, So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. This is the amazing gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that there are so many voices, voices of condemnation, of judgment, that are speaking to us and telling us, and pulling us in a certain direction of how to live, uh, in their way, in our selfish way, always trying to pull at us. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. He came so that we can know that fullness as we trust in him. And I love that, that phrase that uh, whoever enters by me will be saved, will be rescued, and will come in and go out and find pasture, find the sustenance that we need in life, find all that we need, the direction that we need, because he leads us, he guides us, he gives us the, the sight that we need. Uh, and again, so we as a church have this purpose statement that Jesus gives life to the full and we're called to live it and share it. That that is the center of our church and our lives. That this is the very purpose of why we live and who we are. That he gives life to the full and only truly he can give us that life. And when we learn what it means to live in that and how to share it, we're living in the fullness that he has called us in. Now, the center of that, that is Jesus gives life to the full. There's so much that we can gain, that we are called to have that in the center of our lives. Him at the center. Jesus at the center. And if we have a look at the three things, that firstly, we uh, need his presence every day, that Jesus gives life to the full. When that is at the center of who we are, we are, are seeking his presence, seeking after who he has called us to be, that every day it needs to be something that we seek after him because we need him. We, we can't do this without his presence in our lives. And then it moves on to live it, that as he is center, as he is called the center of our lives and we seek him every day, we're called to live in that, that we are formed by Jesus. We're formed by his ways, that he needs to change our actions. He needs to change our thoughts. If he isn't changing those things, then we need to keep opening our lives to him. It's, it's a lifelong journey. It's things that we need to continue to bring to him. But that's the call of a Christian, to continue to live it. We're never always going to fully live it. Let me just get that straight. You're never fully going to live it, but this is just the journey that we are on, to keep being formed by him. And when we stuff up, let's keep being formed by him. Let's keep getting to that place, learning what it means to be formed by him as he is the center of our lives. And then we're called to share it. That we're, as he is center, uh, we can't help but share 
the love of Christ. We can't help but in a radical way love on people, embrace people where they're at and be the, the, the hope of Jesus in people's lives. And I love that um, already just six months in, we have something in our church that every week we're doing something to help others. I love that this is a core part of our church and people are jumping onto it, that we do straight street friends where we um, uh, help those who are homeless and then also starting and uh, kicking into Red Frogs at ECU Mount Lawley. It's, it's amazing that we uh, are, this is a part of who we are, that we want to love on people and help those who are in need. And so that is our call, to continue to share his love, to share his life. And so he needs to be center, right at the center of who we are. It needs to change us. We can't just go by just going, oh, yeah, cool. Let's just do the little things and just do the mundane and just get by. No, this needs to change us and rock us and continue to challenge us. I I'm continually challenged by like how much I open myself up to God. And this journey with him, uh, even though I've been a pastor for many years and you know, did youth pastoring and different things, it doesn't get easier just because you're a pastor. Let me tell you that. It doesn't get easier. It's still the grind, the difficulty of opening up your life and just letting God in, letting God speak to you. That's the call of us to continue to let Jesus be the center of our lives that we are on. He needs to give us that spiritual sight for us to see in the darkness. But will we open up and let him change us, change who we are? And so as he is center, as we have revelation and insight into who we are called to be, then we are called to live out who he has called us to be. And so as a church, um, we have these three focuses for us. Uh, and so Jesus gives life to the full. He's in the center, the very middle of who we are. And as we uh, let that be center, there is three key things for us as a church, and that are foster family and friendships to go beyond uh, and oh, just go back, sorry, and to grow as influencers. For these three things to be key for us, that we are called to be these very things, to let them live out of who we are, to foster, to cherish, and to nourish these relationships, to go beyond, to look for those opportunities beyond us, and to grow as influencers. And we're going to look at what these three things, uh, how they work for us, particularly here at C3 North Perth. Number one is to foster family and friendships and this is whether you're married whether you're a parent whether you're single our relationships are so important they're so important for our lives or any stage of our life they're so key and uh, and uh yeah we need to take our relationships seriously uh, and it's so important that we think about and foster and nourish the relationships that we have that we actually care for one another around us and that we take uh, our relationships seriously and important. And um, there's this great phrase that uh, we just love is this the sense that we're doing life together, that we are actually doing life together. We're not kind of doing our own thing, just pushing after our own desires and going after our own careers, uh, but we're in our families, in our friendships, that we would do life together. We would include each other into our lives. That would open up emotionally, would open up uh, into our kind of headspace. Yeah, I know it can be a scary thing sometimes to open up your headspace, but it's important to do that. 
and to have moments where you actually do life together. And uh, there's this great quote from Bonhoeffer from his book, which is called Life Together. Uh, hence the phrase. <laughs> I just love it. The, the, the quote is, The more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. And the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. That's just, that is what we're wanting. We're believing for for our community. That as we grow deeper and more genuine in our community, the more everything else in life just recedes. And the most important thing is our relationship with Jesus. That he is the vital thing between us. And will continue to help us grow and nourish as we foster family and friendships. Uh, secondly, we, that we would go beyond. That we would live on mission. That, that mission and reaching out to people isn't just a nice thing that we do when we go on a mission trip and we you know, get on the plane and we, we psyched up. We've had all these prayer meetings. We're excited about what we're going to do on this mission trip. And then we get there, we're like, yeah, we're looking for those opportunities to reach people and share our testimony or help those who are in need or we're looking for those opportunities. Let, let's, not that, let's not let that thing be just on a mission trip. Let's not have that attitude just when we're on mission, but we actually live on mission. We learn and, and discover what it means and looks like to actually live on mission, that we are looking for opportunities to love others, to go beyond our walls, to go beyond this beautiful town hall and to reach this community. We so want the people of North Perth here in our community. We want them to be a part of what we are doing. And uh, we're excited about kind of doing that and seeing People continually come to our services, can come and be a part of our community as we go beyond. But this is, it's more than just a program. Yes, we do things every week to do outreach, but this is about us. North, C3 North Perth is going to grow uh, as we live this, as I live this. I'm talking to myself as well. As we live what it means to live on mission and see how we can love on others and uh, yeah, help others see the, good, uh, the, the love of Jesus in us. So that's the, the beauty of what we're going to continue to grow in, in as we go beyond. And, and th this is probably one of the things that is really difficult. Let's be real. I find it really difficult to live beyond. Maybe not the YWAM crew because they're, they're amazing at it. <laughs> oh, nice. The YWAMer. Yeah. Uh, so, it, but for the rest of us, it's, it's, really, it's really difficult. As we, if, when we just grow up in that little bubble and just doing church uh, and just kind of doing our own way of uh, Christianity, we can get stuck in that. And I want us to continue to learn what it means to break out of that and love on people in ways that isn't weird and just kind of making people feel awkward, but I want people to see the love of Christ in us. Um, and so we're going to keep looking at that as the weeks go on. Uh, and learn what it means to truly go beyond and live on mission. Uh, and then thirdly is uh, to grow as influencers. That uh, the, the really important part of, of this uh, growing as influencers for us is to uh, understand our culture today uh, and work out how we can influence it. 
that we can't just go into our workplaces and into, into our industries, into wherever we're at, and just assume, yeah, we're just kind of going to change it just because we're amazing Christians. That's not how the world works. We actually need to go in and, and try and understand people, try and get into their world, try and see the story that they are, are living in because every kind of workplace, every industry has a certain story. And what we're called to do is actually bring the kingdom story and influence it be a part of influencing change in our industries, in, in uh, our workplaces, in the, uh, our universities. We're called to be an influencer. And so we see this in the creative world, in the business world, in, in education, in, in all facets of life. We see people from C3 North Perth going in and being an influence as we get the kingdom heartbeat alive in us and see the story that there is being told we want to influence that and be a part of changing what people see and how people see each other. And so, uh, yeah, we're really excited about us continually trying to work out how we can understand our culture today, the culture that is in your workplace and in your industry, and how we can be an influence to that. Uh, and so that's, that's our three things that we're called to as a church, to foster family and friendships to go beyond and to grow as influences. Uh, and as Jesus becomes that center of our lives, these things continue to grow. We continue to look at how we can be a better version of ourselves. Uh, and so there are, there are a few things that we are doing as a church to help us. And one uh, Pastor Michaela mentioned before, uh, we're having little segments of life on purpose, trying to include moments where we actually help teach. And I, um, yeah, we get other people to share their story on, on how they've done these things and included these elements in these lives. And so um, we're going to have those moments every Sunday. Uh, we're also going to be start, starting a new thing called Learn and Grow. Everyone say Learn and Grow. Yes, cool. Uh, I just felt like youth days. So I just, I just was natural to just get you to repeat it. Um, uh, yeah, Learn and Grow is a new thing that we're going to be uh, launching. It's run over three weeks. It's kind of a little breakdown of, uh, firstly, the first week will be a breakdown of, of Christianity and uh, what we believe and what is important to us, our foundations, our faith, um, our doctrine, uh, just the, the real foundations of who we are. The second week will be uh, breaking down who we are as C3 North Perth and what's important to us as a church individually um, and how we can, uh, yeah, help each other grow. And then third session will be about you as an individual and how you can play a part in our story. And there's the little the, uh, catch, the uh, subtitle of our thing is the story we're a part of, that we are all a part of this story and uh, want to help people to continue to learn and grow what their part in the story is. And so if you're new to our church and you have questions and want to figure things out, uh, we're going to be doing Learn and Grow. We're going to send an email out, out to people this week to sign up and be a part of it. We're, our first session will start at our next service already. We're here. Uh, and we're going to be running it from 4.30, uh, so just before church, just 20 minutes and there'll be some nibbles there, um, and yeah, we're going to be just doing 20 minutes of kind of going through some certain things to just help us continue to grow, help us to continue to uh, learn what it means to, to be a part of this community, to be a part of this story. Um, and so we'll send an email out if you want to be um, uh, included in on that. Come talk to us, and we'd love to 
have you come along to that as we continue to grow? It's good. So as we have this as our focus for this year, as we have these three things core about who we are, and as we have Jesus at the center of our lives, there's um, this, this phrase that we have as, as five locations, and it is we are going on a decade on purpose. And this isn't just this kind of, cool, let's do it, guys. But this is just, this means that we actually are intentional about what we are doing. We're intentional about the lives that we're living in. There was a great line that Pastor Jace uh, mentioned in his sermon last week, and he said, I, I don't want people to go on a decade of default. And that's what will go on if we just kind of go with the flow and let this decade happen, and we just let the culture and the wish-wash of this culture kind of uh, dictate how we live. We will just go on a decade of default. But I want us to, to be living a decade on purpose, living with purpose in our hearts, knowing where we're going. It, I mean, sometimes we don't know truly where we're going, but we're actually purposeful. We're intentional about letting God shape who we are and letting God speak into our lives. So we go on this decade of purpose, this, uh, that these three things, we don't want it just to be a nice thing for this year and just to fizzle out. But we want it to sustain. We want it to be something that is sustainable, that goes the long haul. Ten years is a long time. It's a long time. And so when we are focused in on this and are purposeful with our lives for this next decade, yeah, I'm excited about what's going to happen. I'm excited about this community continuing to grow. I'm excited about what it's going to do to the broader community, to the people around in our worlds. I'm excited about our individual families and our friendships and what it's going to actually do to those things. It's exciting what, what is going to take place in our lives as we go on this decade of purpose. But well, let's do this. Let's go on this together. Let's not just sit back and just go, cool, that sounds nice. Uh, but yeah, I'm just not sure about how I'm going to do all this. Sounds like a lot. No, let's actually determine ourselves and stand up and go, yeah, I'm going to be a part of doing something amazing. And on, on Wednesday, we, um, we do a Wednesday morning prayer meeting every week, 6.30. You can join us if you want uh, here at the town hall, 6.30 to 7.30. It's a beautiful time. Um, and this Wednesday, we were just praying, and I, I, I just saw um, people here on Sunday, here tonight. I saw people just standing. And it was this moment in my mind where, as we were talking about this decade on purpose, I saw uh, people standing and rising to the challenge that it, with faith and with a determination they go yeah i'm going to stand and be a part of this and it, it, it wasn't always it wasn't a like this i'm going to be amazing kind of stance it was it was a reluctant stance it was like oh i don't know if i could i don't know if i've got it in me i don't know if this sounds like too much but i saw as people stood their shoulders looked a bit lighter I saw as people stood, it wasn't a heavy burden that was placed upon people, a burden of feeling like they need to achieve and do all this stuff and be a better person. This burden that we can sometimes feel like is required when we stand. But it, I saw as people stood, God's peace and his rest took the burden from them. I saw as people stood, this, this freedom in people's shoulders. Like they could, oh, it's almost like you could breathe again. 
and that God's grace and his peace had our back. He was there for us. And so I'm believing for us here tonight that, come on, let's, let's be a part of this decade on purpose, but let us continue to do it in his strength, in his peace, in his rest. I'm not calling you to strive and, and just work at it, but I'm calling you to come into his presence and be found in him and let him guide us. Let him give us that revelation that we need.